Good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever it is, wherever you are. I am so sorry, guys. We've been gone for two weeks because holidays and we were all just, I can't speak for everybody else, but I was just absolutely wiped after Black Friday and Cyber Monday. How about y'all? Jerry, Nick, Harish, how are y'all? Yeah, I would I would agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my brain is still feeling a little scrambled personally. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I took, I took three days off before the week before Thanksgiving in order to try and like help avoid just like my brain turning to mush that weekend. And it, it didn't really help because my brain is still like, it's a week later and my brain is still going. Why? Why did you do that to me? It's it's still better. Yeah. I mean, I I know I'm finally sleeping well, so, you know, there's, there's that that for a while, which is never. (laughs) Give me that. I want to sleep well. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, but it it's cool. And it's, we have another break coming up, hopefully with Christmas and New Year. So we can ho- all hopefully rest and recharge in a couple of weeks. But for now, we are back and it's back to business as usual, except it kind of wasn't earlier this week because Amazon Web Services kind of crashed and took half the internet with it for a while. Uh, but we... We'll get to that in a minute, but first I wanted, we weren't on last week because we were all wiped. So we wanted to talk about Qualcomm, the Qualcomm Summit and all of the new chips that came out. So Harish, this new Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. So this is going to be showing up in like all of our flagship phones next year, S22, OnePlus 10, all of that fun stuff. I'm I'm trying to get excited about a new platform but at the same time, I'm just like, how much of the, how much of this is going to be an actual upgrade that we can like see and feel? How much and how much of this is just like iterative? Yeah, that has been the case for the last two years. Um, particularly from the eight sixty five onwards, um, they've gotten to a point where I think it's not the hardware that's the bottleneck for Android, at least, um, because even the eight sixty five, I switched to an older phone uh, just to because it got an update. Um, and even that felt just fine. And when you compare that to the Snapdragon 888 that was released last year, and it's still going just fine. I mean, I still haven't noticed any sort of a slowdown or it trying to stutter or any of that, even when playing games for like several hours at once. So with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, Qualcomm is making a few changes. Um, It is iterative in that it's using a similar set of formula, but it has a lot of new parts. Um, The thing that's changing is that it's using ARM's V9 cores for the first time. So it's using the same set of three-core design that it did in the last three, four years. Uh, But this time we have all three new cores. So um, highlighting the core count is the Cortex-X2, and this thing is going up to three gigahertz. And then we have the A710 and the A510. These are going to be the workhorse everyday cores that do a bulk of the heavy lifting. Um, so the switch to the new course should see some improvements in efficiency. Um, and Qualcomm is also touting up to a 20% increase in performance. But I think what I would like to see from the 8 Gen, Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 is um, better battery life because that was one area where I felt that the 2021 flagships were a letdown compared to last year. So, yeah, I think the switch should make a difference to the new cores. And also they're using Samsung's new four nanometer uh, manufacturing node. So I think these improvements should lead to slightly better battery life. But then again, we have to wait and see for phones to show up. 
Yeah, no, it's better battery life is the goal now for my smartphones. It's we we have more than enough power. I just want it to last longer. Yeah, that has been an issue. Yeah. So this phone is uh, this is going to be in the Galaxy S22, OnePlus 10, all of the other phones. Do we think this is just going to be for flagships or do we think that there will or, or do we think that mid-range phones are still going to stick with like the 865 or whatever its successor is? Because we only really got the flagship announced uh, last week, right? Correct. Um, the interesting thing about how Qualcomm positions this, its flagship chipset is that um, somebody like Samsung will take the SoC and enable most of the features that it has to offer, um, including the ISP and all of the DSP stuff and the neural engine and a lot of the additional features like Snapdragon sound and their lossless codecs and all of that stuff. And that obviously makes the chipset quite costly. So that's why those the things that... that the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, think of it as one platform, but available in different variants. So the variant that's going to end up in the Galaxy S22 or the Xiaomi 12 or even the OnePlus 10 series will be very different to what we'll see come down to, say, $400, $500 phones because it will make its way there. Because uh, one of the brands that's mentioned in the partner list is Redmi, Xiaomi's uh, budget-focused off- offshoot. And... They had a phone with the Snapdragon 888 this year that was available for around $450. So they're going to have to... I'm sure they will release a phone with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 that will be about the same price next year as well. Okay. So outside the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, we had the Snapdragon 8 CX Gen 3, which is the new ARM chip that's going to come to, like... Windows PCs, and hopefully, I'm hoping that this comes to Chromebooks eventually, but um, it's the first five nanometer compute platform for notebooks, which I hope is exciting. But also, this should hopefully help us get more 5G laptops eventually, right? Yeah, I think this will be a big driver for that because it's switching to a more efficient design, and it's basically the same architecture as it were as the regular snapdragon stuff that goes in phones but with better thermal envelopes uh, because it's in a machine that's larger so it's able to dissipate heat better so i think this could be the driver but then again we haven't seen that many chromebooks with qualcomm stuff take off so um well there's only like four of them right now you've got (laughs) one from acer you've got the hp x211 and then the chromebook duet 5 which i just reviewed well i think that one live today but the the gen the 7c gen 2 was actually pretty okay for getting work done like it wasn't it wasn't as hamstrung as the first generation wasn't like the acer spin 14 and the hp x211 but at the same time i mean it's still one of those things if it's like it's powerful enough for most things, but is it powerful enough to be your primary computer, which might yeah. still be turning people off? Yeah, I think they're trying to solve that with the Gen 3, um, with all the software stuff that, that's coming to Chromebooks as well. Um, well, it definitely has the power to beat, um, but we'll have to see if it holds up on the effici- efficiency front because that's basically the only area that Qualcomm needs to do better. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. the the new the the eight the eight CX Gen three looks like it's going to be for like Windows. And there's a new seven uh, the new Snapdragon seven G seven uh, C Gen three. So we're getting the third generation of the seven series for Chromebooks, which is 
kind of a bummer. Yeah, they've really not changed that platform. I don't even know why they introduced the Gen 2. I asked them that question during the briefing and they were like, um, the, the original Gen 1 platform has been in the market for a few years. So manufacturers wanted something new. So they've made the bare minimum of tweaks and rolled out <laughs> the Gen 2 platform. And it looks like they're doing a similar thing, but I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what comes out of that. I don't know. Even uh, small differences can make a big, even small changes can help make a big difference in terms of just the stability of a chipset. Qualcomm's been telling me for two years how great these are going to be in a laptop, <laughs> whether it runs Windows yeah. or Chrome or whatever. They lied. They suck. Yeah, that's the I, problem. They suck. I don't Co- think they entirely. They're <laughs> well, not, like, no, they're not- but, but when you compare their price Against yeah. a similarly priced chip, they suck. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue that. The uh, the HPX211 at $600 was just a slap in the face. Like, at least the Duet is, it starts at four it starts at 430 and goes up from there. But that's still a bit much, considering that this is basically a mobile chip powering a laptop. I, and I don't understand. Uh, 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 just because a chip is an ARM chip doesn't mean it can't be powerful. Yeah, it has no, nothing Ryzen. to do with it. And Qualcomm is certainly capable of building powerful, expensive processors and, you know, chip arrangements. I, I don't know what happened here, but everything I've seen from them outside of a phone is just garbage. I think it's that they focus a little bit too much on efficiency because they're like, oh, hey, we know how to do always connected devices and we know how to sip. We know how to make things that will run for a long time. And maybe they're underestimating the amount. Like, yeah, I want the battery to last. Chrome OS doesn't have a problem making a battery last a long time. Like the Duet 5 with that 7C Gen 2 in it, the battery can last for 14 to 16 hours, depending on how low I have the brightness cranked. Like I've gone a day and a half of work before I had to plug it in before. That's certainly a possibility. Qualcomm has specialized, you know, for years in trying to make things as efficient as possible because in a phone it has to be it efficiency is great in a laptop but that's not shouldn't be the first focus if you know if you, if you want to promote it as a powerful chip so i'm i'm not sure what's going on and it's very possible that it's not qualcomm's fault uh there's a reason that chromebooks are getting the 7c and the, that's probably not Qualcomm's idea and it's probably not the the $20 price difference it's probably Chrome is better optimized to run on that platform for some obscure little reason and Qualcomm has no control over that there's a limited number of platforms for Chrome every time there's a new chipset Google Chrome uh the Chrome OS team has to figure out okay we're going to optimize the system for these for these processors but not these processors so these are the platforms that you can work with so on, on the Windows side, Windows for years has been built to run on x86 computers. So maybe Windows just sucks on ARM and it's not Qualcomm's fault. <laughs> I don't know what the issue is. I just keep hearing all these companies tell me how great it's going to be. And then when you touch one, it's just not great. Considering how yeah. many times Microsoft has tried to build, gosh, what, Windows 10X, Windows 8R, Windows... Yeah, whatever you know oh. that is supposed to be arm optimized and like a more 
smartphone like you know closed platform i yeah. would venture to say that yes it's windows just not handling a non x86 architecture very well yeah at the same time though like aren't most of the aren't like a good chunk of the best gaming like pcs and desktops ryzen which is arm well but no ryzen is x86 no. it Ryzen's is yeah. not yeah. arm yeah uh x86 isn't just intel it's it's a a processor architecture that AMD and Intel and Harish, is there any other company left that's using it? Uh, IBM and Amazon, but they're, no, I think IBM it's just is still IBM. making like actual processors outside of an industrial, like a enterprise well, setting. I mean, if, if you go yeah, buy a computer, a, a home computer, it's only going to have an Intel or an AMD chip, but there are other, other yeah. chips out there. But uh, yeah, that that's x86, and that's maybe Windows shoehorned itself. So well, I mean, look at it. The same thing goes with graphic cards. It's look how long OpenGL and Vulkan lagged behind DirectX, right? Because and, yeah, yeah, card makers how, optimized it so hard for one platform, right? And look how long Microsoft stuck with having a 32-bit version of Windows just yeah. to support all the old crap. It's just. Windows does something very well in that it supports a lot of stuff. It doesn't right. support any one thing very well. <laughs> well, and yeah, that's see, that's kind of a Qualcomm thing too. It Qualcomm has to support right a- anything. That's why you know you compare it to the M1 or Google Tensor. That's that's not. I don't think that's the right way to look at it because those chips are purpose specialty built for one yep. or yeah. with, know, a few with software made for that hardware right qualcomm doesn't have that luxury no qualcomm has to build a product that just works and then help other vendors make sure their software is up to task that that leaves a lot more room for error that's true and another point is i think with the performance side of things um what they're t- doing with the snapdragon 8cx is basically scaling up from the existing yeah. Snapdragon 8 series. Um, so I think if they change stack and, you know, build something from the ground up designed for a notebook form factor, I think they would do much better in terms of I just agree. managing the performance. Yep. And, well, we, we know Qualcomm can really do wonders when it comes to taking a, a you know, hardware license and, and customizing it because look yeah. at their, you know, their GPUs. The yep. Adreno is in in the eight Gen one is on paper amazing. Yes, it's better than anything Apple offers on paper, and you know that's that's credit to Qualcomm right there. So we'll see. I'm I'm looking forward to trying one because I want to really see if the extra and new machine learning upgrades they've put in the chip uh make a noticeable difference but the rest it's it's overkill i don't think the process the cpu is the bottleneck anymore like arish said yeah they seem to be understanding that as well because with the snapdragon 8 gen 1 they're you know positioning their neural onboard ai engine and the yeah uh is yeah, and the other stuff like the isp and all the stuff that it can do with 8k video and you know, simultaneous photos and night mode improvements. So I think they're trying to 
position it as a platform that can do a lot of things other than just deliver the best performance. Um, but a big selling point next year will be how it will be positioned next to MediaTek because for the first time, I think in the last six or seven years, MediaTek has a really good product in the high-end segment in the Diamond City 9000. And in a lot of ways, it to me, it feels like MediaTek is slightly more aggressive when it comes to some of the features on here. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can manage to get a design win. I'm talking to a few sources there. I think they may have something going on with OnePlus or even Asus. So I'm still trying to get a few details out of it, but it would be a big deal if they can Yo, big, get something deal, going on yeah. that front. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a key to MediaTek success is exposure. Get it your product in a flagship device and make sure everybody knows your product is in it. Yeah. They've done a lot of good stuff around the mid-range segment with particularly the Nord 2. Um, and they've made a lot of inroads with that device. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can get a flagship out with the Diamond City 9000. All righty. Before we move on from Qualcomm, does anybody have any strong opinions about the gaming platform that they announced during the conference? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm still just like, okay, so this Razer and Qualcomm are working on the... Uh, Snapdragon G3X Gen 1 gaming platform, which they're uh Razer is helping uh, Razer and Qualcomm are building a reference device for this so that way hopefully this will be used for by other manufacturers. But this still sounds like we're trying to make an and we're trying to make a Nintendo Switch or a like PSP competitor. Yes. And I'm not I'm still not sure exactly how well that's gonna work. It's not. I mean, honestly, I'm going to tell you, my biggest problem with these new things is the naming. What What the heck yeah. do these names mean? Yeah, like there was a couple weeks ago about like, oh, Snapdragon is making the naming easier. No, you didn't. You did <laughs> no, you not didn't. make this easier. You made everything 8-something. I, I mean, when I see the G3X Gen 1 gaming platform name attached to a product, all that does is tell me that the other new products suck at making you have that fun when I'm playing a game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a dumb move. The, oh, the Snapdragon my, my eight Gen One the moment I saw it. <laughs> the only, like, the only part of the naming convention that I like is that we are including Gen One, Gen Whatever. Like having a generation instead of just having you figure out, okay, it's an eight something, but it's this number is bigger than that number. So that's the first question I asked Qualcomm because they said that it was to simplify their naming convention, but that really doesn't work with the single digit naming because it's the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 isn't the only 8 series product they'll have in 2022. Um, and they're going to bring this to the 6 series and the 7 series oh, and they'll no. have at least 6 or 7 chipsets. So I asked them how it'll work if there's like, like last year we had the 888 and the 870 and the 888 plus. So I was like, how would that work with the single-digit naming convention? And they're like, oh, we'll announce something later in the year. And <laughs> I just don't know how they make that work. Oh, if there no. are two or three distinct chipsets in the 6 or 7 or 8 series, how would the naming work for that? Oh. <laughs> they just yeah. shit up as they go along. I'm just thinking about having to write this and I want to cry. <laughs> Right, like we're gonna have to put so this in spec sheets for devices we review next year, and I'm just like, guys, no, no, no. no. I'm I'm gonna start writing octa-core processor on there spec sheets. I like, <laughs> like Samsung does. It works. Yeah. Right, yeah. Look, all, all you need are gigahertz and cores. I don't care about the rest. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll go back to the Pentium four days. Oh God. I I, I, I just this gaming platform. I, I'm not sure. 
I mean, maybe they're doing it as a proof of concept. No smartphone manufacturer is going to be interested in this. And uh, an and Android handheld is not going to sell. Nobody no. wants to build one. Uh, I don't know. It, it Republic of Gamers dumb. could do something with it. And I feel like if anybody's going to do anything with it, it would be ROG. Who cares if the, it sells? They're going to try is, something well, with it. A, this a, is 2022's Engage, okay? That's, that's what this thing is. This is 2022's Engage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's I mean, it. I don't know what else if, to say about it. <laughs> if a company wanted to build a, a, a handheld gaming performance machine, uh, NVIDIA's there, and they already offer an ARM chip that is... Yeah awful damn good and very well supported so i just don't see the market for this but you know yeah i, I yeah. assume somebody at qualcomm knows more than i if, do if any company can do it in this space i think it's razor because i think razor has the the gaming name and people know know it you know lots of people know razor and if they were to actually make a product, which, I mean, this doesn't seem to be a, a, a proper product in any sense of the word. No, no, no. No, no. If they were they to actually make this. Product, so. Yeah, I know. If they were to actually make it and market it, I think it could do well. But they so, really would have to to put a lot of force behind it. Because if this is just going to be effectively an Android phone in a non-really you know mobile phone form factor, it's going to need something significant to you know, boost it outside of, oh, well, this is just another Switch you can buy, except we don't have Nintendo properties and it's probably more expensive. So why would you buy this? It would be a <laughs> yeah, Fortnite so phone and nothing else. else. It's, it's well, kind of you know, stupid. I, I, I don't see a phone. I see a, and I don't see a Nintendo Switch. I see a Steam Deck or, you know. A, it, it's closer to a Steam yeah, Deck than anything. Yeah, it's closer to Yeah. Which that's another product that I kind of question its popularity. I mean, it's going to have some stuff, but how many are they really going to sell? I don't they're gonna huge. sell more than you think yeah the linux, the linux uh the linux fanboys are definitely gonna buy more steam decks than you that's, think that's what we said about steam boxes and all that stuff though i just i don't what? none of those Valve's were great i bought sold one well yeah i ended up buying one it's it was good while I'm, it I'm not saying they're not good products i'm saying they don't have a wide appeal they never really have um, that's fi- that's fine from Valve, but for this thing, I mean, to me, it feels like somebody at Qualcomm looked at what the Steam Deck was offering, and they're like, "Can we do something on <laughs> yeah. our own?" Yeah, right? because build a Steam Deck, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I don't think it's the hardware that's the limitation here. Look at the hardware for the Switch; it's still using the Tegra X1, and that came out back in oh, 2014. God, yeah, yeah. It's it's old. It's the platform. It's the games. It's the ecosystem. And right. I don't see that part no. changing on Android anytime soon. No, yeah, this isn't no. going to have that. But, you know, Steam does have it. So this is something yeah. that I could see built for, you know, the next version of the Steam Deck would be great to put something like this in. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Which maybe that's the game plan, but... I'm still just going to say it again. Like, dear God, the names. Like, somebody, <laughs> you could make, like, I, if you could come up with a way to get manufacturers to agree to a reasonable naming scheme for all of your products, you deserve whatever they will pay you. Because, oh my God, does any company actually name chipsets and components properly? Like, even phone names are back to being out of control. So wait, are you saying that you don't like the Xiaomi 12 Ultra Enhanced? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't think it could get worse than like the Motorola and like the Nokia Pure 9 Pure View. Like 
even names like that years ago, I was just like, why do we still have guys? It's like 2019. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> we. Mm. It's yeah. it just kills me. Like it's not that hard to come up with names for things, and they don't all need to be the same. And numbers only work if you're going to stick with one number convention for everything, and it's going to be easy to understand. That's part of like like I don't know. Intel's the only one that I own that I feel gets it right with their processors because it's like okay, we have the i series and we have the m series, and then we have Pentium Gold and Silver. Well, we have Celeron go, uh, Silver and Gold. See, you and then just, the numbers just uh, go. You up. just contradicted yourself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. And also but, there are twelve different uh, SKUs in the i series. Oh my so, god! Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. never mind. No, you're right. And, no, and you, nobody names anything properly. Mm. I'm pretty sure you can still buy older i series as new. Yep. So they're probably more than twelve SKUs. It's just twelve new SKUs. Right. Yeah, no, you yeah, can still just, buy the older, just for the older hardware if you need to, and you should. There's pretty good. Don't don't never buy the the newest. You kill yourself. Harish, Mister Thirty Eighty. I I'm still on Rocket League. Alrighty, well let let's move on because I I'm I'm sorry I brought up the gaming thing because I did not think that was gonna take another like 10, 15 minutes. Alrighty, so um moving on to like leaks and rumors and other things that are either coming soon or will hopefully be coming. We got Pixel Watch leaks last week, this week. I'm still of the mindset of maybe we see one next year, but I'm not holding like it's Lucy, it's Lucy, Charlie Brown, and that football. The Pixel Watch is the football. And I'm just tired of kicking at it and then just lining up on my ass. Like, come on. You got to show me more than just a leaked, re- recreated render. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Alex on, on the Pixel Watch thing. Like, I just want a Moto 360 successor that, you know, is good. Because I missed that watch. I loved that thing. You should just I, buy lo- Galaxy I still watch have 4. mine. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I, I don't care about a Pixel Watch. They're only going to sell a hundred of them. Google doesn't push their hardware. There's really nothing special that can be put into a watch that's not already in a competing product. I mean, it'd be great if Google made one. I would hope that they would make one as a, a reference device and price it appropriately, and we can get more developers on board, but as far as a consumer product, hey, there's already a good one out there and the prices have come down. If this is what you've really been waiting for, you could buy a Galaxy Watch 4 and be done with it. Well, I mean, as soon as the Galaxy Watch 4 gets Google Assistant, which we are well, still yeah. waiting on. Yeah, this is one of the reasons I don't want to do it. But I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of Google's design here. It, it looks to me like a... You know, a watch active of any generation, basically, yeah. with, with that digital bezel. And I, I really, I don't like that. I don't like that look. I so, mean, I don't know. I, I don't think for... I'm ever going to be happy with smartwatches. I just, I think I've kind of given up on the whole concept. Oh, I'm happy with my smartwatch. But <laughs> I when I look like at the Pixel Watch, like when they hearken it back to the 360, the 360 still looked like practical. The thing about the Pixel Watch renders that we keep seeing, it's just like, oh, edge-to-edge glass, and there's no real, like, protection on the sides, and I'm just yeah, going, okay, it, it so this th- is a watch I'm going to need to put a case on. Yeah, it makes me think of these people that walk around with these giant Apple Watch cases, and I just laugh. I'm like, well, why, why are you wearing that? Stop that. 
I mean, this I, is so I put stupid. A, I put a case on my Galaxy Watch for last weekend. This was one of my biggest issues with smartwatches when they first came out. I was like, this thing has glass on the front that I have to touch, and it's going to get smudgy and scratched. And like, I don't oh, know. Oh, and because it's, it's curved just... on the edges, you're not going to be able to get a screen protector <laughs> worth a damn. Yeah, we, we had a couple in there. Uh, the Huawei Watch. That one was also the... another one of my favorites because it was like flat display. The thing was set down into the body. You could put a tempered glass protector on it. Like the thing was a rock. I used it for years. I loved it. I it weighed 700 when they pounds. Asked for that it was back. fantastic. That's what a watch is supposed to be. Metal. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the Moto 360 was cool and it was my first and I will always love it. The original Huawei watch was the best Android Wear watch we have seen to date. Ever. Yeah, it's... Because I mean, it, it, it and... just, it felt solid. It felt good. It actually worked decently. It worked. Oh like, my gosh, it, it worked. <laughs> It worked. It worked. Y'all must just, not I have had the LTE it. version because mine didn't work. It was oh, a piece I, of crap. No, I, I didn't don't have want the LTE any LTE watch, like, ever. Neither like, did I. No, it's I, just the one that the company the only I'm not going to be Dick Tracy. My phone comes with me. <laughs> yeah, the, the only LTE watch I had was uh, the LG one. I have it behind me, and I forget the name of it. But the, the one that they did was, like, the quote pixel watch that they worked with Google on, right? And it... It was like, you know, four inches thick. (laughs) That, you know, we worked with Google on this or this is an official Google product. That doesn't mean much, guys. Right. I mean, there are so many people out there who are going to want to buy something just because the name Google is attached to it. Don't. (laughs) Don't. Just to stop. You've got to lose that mentality. Yeah, I don't I, that that one, despite its, you know, uh, largeness was the only LTE watch I've had that has not had some sort of issue, you know, battery life, uh, heat issues like Chris had with his Galaxy Watch yep. 4 LTE, yep. you know, just something that that other than being large, that watch never really had any issues for me. So I, that, that's the nicest thing I could say about it, I would say. Alrighty. Well, before we fall any further into a watch rabbit hole, because <laughs> I could I could spend hours on this because I have a lot of very strong thoughts about what a smartwatch could be and should be on Android, considering we've had what it the first watches came out in what, 2014? 2014. 2014. Yeah. yeah. And oh God. That's, we should that's be when so my much son further. was born, and that's well, when like, I got we it. We were hobbled for so <laughs> long due to a mixture of inability to optimize the software and us just being stuck with these crappy old hardware platforms from Qualcomm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We Android Wear. So I guess it was, it was called Wear OS back then. Yep. It's so weird. You know, the the first watches from Samsung and LG were better than the products they made a year later. Yes, they yes. were. Yeah. They were. I mean, it's, it's only so gone downhill up. for the most part. I yeah. there, there are exceptions to that, especially recently. But yeah, the I felt like it went downhill for a long wa- time. Oh God, it's go, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. No, I'm I'm gonna fall further down the rabbit hole. So I I gotta stop. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> all righty. Uh, moving to something that's gonna be slightly less infuriating um, and hopefully more fun. Oppo is coming out with its first foldable phone on December fifteenth, which would be next Wednesday. Uh, but they teased it this week, and I'm still not sure how I feel about this phone. Yeah, so um, it's China only. Let's let's preface it with that, as far as we know. Um, uh, 
Yeah. So I, I, I would like to see this come out somewhere else because the hardware itself looks phenomenal. Like I like the, the size of the thing. I like the shape of the thing. Um, if you compare it to like a Z fold three, the, the outer display is more like a, it's not four by three. I don't know what the aspect ratio is, but it's wider, but it's also smaller. So, you know, while it's not maybe as one handable, it's more like a regular phone. Whereas when you open it up, it's more like a like a 16 by 9 display. So you probably wouldn't have to rotate it and stuff like that like you do to get the biggest uh, video when you're watching video on the inside of the Fold 3 or the Fold 2. Mm. So I, I like that. And then the hinge, of course, it folds flat. There's no like slightly off angle displays. So I, I don't know. Yeah. That That's cool. It, it looks like a nice uh, refinement over what we currently have in foldables, which I, I think is probably going to be a regular occurrence for the next m- maybe several years with foldables. Yeah. Where, you know, every six to eight months, somebody will come out with something and we'll go, oh, sweet. We're finally here. <laughs> well, no, yeah. every, I mean, every six to eight months, somebody will come out with a product that's sold in china first then it well, yes <laughs> never comes to the states and every foldable in the u.s is going to be samsung's design yeah probably that's Pretty just much. how it's going to be i agree there yeah. are a lot of things here that you know from a design standpoint i think are done better than what samsung is doing and i hope samsung takes some cues especially the flat hinge right uh, yeah. yeah i'm very interested in finding out how they managed to do that yeah so, I don't yeah, know. It'll definitely it be like interesting. A, looks I, like a I good would... phone. Next next year when it comes out in India, we'll see how it'll yeah, sell we'll get... outside so, of China. We'll, we'll have somebody get their hands on it, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I something tells me that Harish probably has three of them in his pocket already. He gets access to all the crazy stuff. But I just, <laughs> I, I mean, this is going to be a one of those things that's a status symbol in China will sell to people who are generally well off in reasonable numbers, but moving it outside of China into a, another market like, like India or the United States uh, in, in India, people, you know, there are a lot more people who like to buy tech products on a regular basis. And Harish, you people in India go through tech fast. You don't keep stuff for very long is what I'm trying to say. And I think it's the heat. Maybe. In the U.S., Samsung's got such a foothold, the market's small. That's where it'll be interesting to me, see if the the small design differences are enough to make people want this over, you know, what Samsung has to offer. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how or if these Chinese brands are able to take some market share away from Samsung in the foldable space. Well, if if they want to get a foothold in the United States and Europe, if you can come out with a foldable that can actually compete with the Z Fold and the Z Flip. Yeah. And can like that's that's your way in if you can get that right. But to me though the Indian market is more will be more fun to watch because there the Indian market is more tech savvy than most of the world. Yes. And I I think that's what i was trying to go for uh the the you know india is the same as everywhere else there are a lot of people who just want something affordable and durable but when it comes to the prosumers india is is more 
keen on new technology than I think I've seen as, as a populace from any other country. So I, I'm always curious how devices fare in India because it's just uh, higher educated technophiles in India, it seems. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a majority of population in India now is oriented towards the younger side. I think it's under 30, make up around 35 or 40 huh. percent of the population now. Hmm. And yeah, and most of them have college degrees. So I think some of that has to yeah. factor in there. I'm sure. Yeah, that's it. The high end segment is still minuscule. I think it accounted anything over $600, um, any tech for that matter, I think accounted for just over 1.5 or 2% of the overall market. So, yeah. Yeah. Still some way to go. Like, once foldables get to a point where they can be affordable, then India is going to be f- super fun to watch with foldables. Until then, it's still, like, fold- foldables are still something that you pay a super high premium for. Yeah. Unless, like, the Galaxy Z Flip 3 yeah. in the United States, the fact that they basically gave it away at all three carriers on Black Friday stunned me. Because we need foldables to be affordable. Yeah, I, I, was... I think with with that angle, you know, Samsung is looking to show numbers. It's not necessarily about them making money this time around. It's just yeah. we need to get these in as many hands as possible so that people will start talking about it. And then next year when the successor comes out, we'll have more people buying it at a higher price. I mean, I'm just stunned whenever yeah. I see one in the wild. And it's weird because I'm being like, oh, hey, there's a Z Flip 3. And there's another one. What the hell? Well, you know, what's, the- what's <laughs> funny about that is I haven't seen maybe more than one or two, you know, out somewhere else. I've seen more razors than I've seen Samsung foldables, yes. which well, is bizarre to I, me because I feel like I've there's like five seen, razors. <laughs> I've actually seen someone using a new razor. Yeah. And I, I live was, in the middle of the freaking woods in West Virginia. The dude sitting on so, my plane two weeks ago was using a razor. Next to me on the plane was using a razor. I was just like, dang. Here's another one. Well, the, those <laughs> numbers that were floating around late last week, early this week, of Samsung sold 10 million uh, flips, were those official numbers or just a rumor? No, and in fact, I no. have an article going out later today um, okay. that talks about that. They actually sold more like 2 million, and the goal is 10 million yeah. by the end of this time next I year. I gotcha. Now so, that well, makes more sense. Yeah, when yeah, the Flip but... 4 comes out, basically, they're hoping that they have sold 10 million of them, which... I mean, if they've already sold two million and the thing's been out for three months, then that's roughly on track. Yeah, you know? but but now, and that, that doesn't include changes. Black Friday stuff. Yes, that doesn't <laughs> that, include that Black Friday. The way I'm thinking completely, they only sold two million when they were giving them away to anybody that could sign a piece of paper and well, wanted. No, one. no, no, because well, this doesn't include no. Black Friday. It's they sold Correct. two million it, before the, the carrier started just giving them away. No, carriers have been giving them away since they were announced. AT and T, Verizon, and T-Mobile. Have you know if you've got a trade in, you can get it for free. Uh yeah. That I just that I I would assume that number would have been much higher. Well, I think it's still a matter of you're you're still trying to get people to think that they a foldable would actually work for them. Like, yeah, my whole family upgraded their phones during Black Friday, and nobody picked a foldable because they all just don't think it's durable enough. Well, I, I'll be honest. I tried to get my wife one for Christmas. And she wanted the lavender color in the lavender in 256 is on back order. And uh, I wouldn't have been able to get it in time for Christmas. And then I come to find out that 
she doesn't really want one. She doesn't think that she would want one. So I dodged the bullet there. <laughs> uh, well, I want a lavender one in 256 if anyone's got one sitting around. <sighs> well, I mean, nobody has one sitting around. That's why my wife's not getting one. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, my, my wife is very happy with hers. Um, I, I was looking forward to having her use it because... Uh, God bless her, but she drops her phone all the time. <laughs> so I was yeah. really look. I I'm just looking forward to seeing how long this thing lasts. Well, what that, case you know, does that, she have on it? Because that's going to be a real like. What case the, does she have on it right now? The Samsung leather one. It's it's Aww. it's pretty darn thick. I don't know. It, it's a nice case. I like the thing. You know, so. yeah, interestingly, that's my wife's reason for not <laughs> actually wanting it. Not what? the way it looks, or that she doesn't think she'll like using it is that she has seen on the internet that they break easily. Uh, yeah, which, you know, that, that as far as I can tell, is not widespread. This, that's one of those, you know, some dude's phone blows up and it makes ha- headlines. It's, it's just the bad I, reputation they're going to have to overcome for like the next five years, the same way that people just keep thinking that Chromebooks are only cheap laptops. It's just right. that, that that's right, the first impression yeah. and that's going to stick for years. I've I've tried to tell her I know probably 10 people that have one because of what I do for a living and only one person that's had an issue. And he thinks that may have been his own fault, but right. she's doesn't care. She saw it on the internet, clickbait, YouTube videos, clickbait headlines that <laughs> it's just a bad product and it's not durable. So she doesn't really want one. Yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely something they will have to overcome Probably with yeah. time. I mean, time. And then, yeah. like I said, if you have millions of people out there using these things and they've used them for one, two, three years, they're going well, to say to everybody they know, I mean, look at the thing. It's fine. It works. I've been using it for a long time. And, and that's, that's they, what they're going to need. Yeah. And that's why it's like, OK, yeah, you can basically get one for free right now. If yep. you're trading give, your them, phone. give them away. Let the word of mouth do what it does and it'll sell more. They rushed the fold out, the first fold, and it was bad product. Oh, it was terrible. And <laughs> it was terrible. That, I mean, and that that's, is going to haunt the foldable line right. for years. That's probably what a lot of consumers think of when they talk about folding phones. All they can remember is they read it on The Verge that it was <laughs> so bad it had to get recalled. Right. And, and probably also the fact that, you know, a lot of those issues were caused from dust and pocket lint and that type of stuff and the new ones still don't have a dust resistance rating probably doesn't make anybody you know really feel better about that just yet the fact yep. that it has a water resistance ra- rating is just a pure marvel and it, really it, should, is. it is like <laughs> yeah the dust thing Incredible. they're not going to be able to rate for that because of how that test is done but the water resistance things, being able to do water resistance on a phone with a hinge that folds, that tells you everything you need to know about how much more durable this product is. Yeah. And if you've seen any of the drop tests on YouTube, I watched several of them. They're more durable than a regular phone. Like uh, most of the time when you drop it, the thing does not break. Whereas most regular phones, if you drop it on their face, the screen cracks. <laughs> there's there's is, almost no exception to that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know. I want Panasonic to make one, and it's Mil-Spec 3, the Toughbook phone. Oh, my oh gosh. My <laughs> <laughs> that was there's, 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 right. there's another four-inch thick one for you, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, you run over it with your car. <laughs> That's right. Well, before we get the 
Insta whatever. Oh my God, that would just be ridiculous. Before we get the Caterpillar branded foldable phone, we're, we're going to go ahead and move on because we're almost to 45 minutes already and I kind of want us to get a, out the door in under two hours today. So one more thing before we take our first break. Um, the Sam's, I'm not super happy with this news, but apparently the Galaxy S21 FE, I'm happy the Galaxy S21 FE is going to launch with Android 12 because it has been delayed so long that it can actually ship with it. Great. That's awesome. But um, that news also, the, the news also alleges that the Samsung S21 FE will launch in January and the regular S22 will launch in February. And that is way too close together for my taste. What about y'all? I don't think it's going to make a difference. For the FE, that is probably going to be, what, 600? And the S22, that is probably going to be 800? You don't think that's going to make a major difference? People that want the FE, they don't care about the S22. They they only care about the value. Uh, I think a bigger concern is what's going to, once the S22 launches, Normally, the price of the S21 would go down to, you know, $300, $400 cheaper than it was when it was first announced. Uh, What's that going to do if you have a bunch of unsold S21s that are priced at $700 and then the S21 FE is $650? Dude, they don't have a whole lot of S21 sitting anywhere. Like... That phone did not get sales on Black Friday and Cyber Monday because nobody could keep it in stock. Amazon couldn't keep it in stock. Best Buy couldn't keep it in stock. Carriers can barely, like, the only carriers that I know that have it are carriers that they were trying to sell you, like, foldables and other phones. And it's like, okay, yes, we have the S21 if you want it. I tell you what, though, Samsung isn't going to throw away all the components to build one just because they're having problems sourcing one other one. The S21 is still going to get produced until they recoup their investment in in the parts that they've already bought. You know, they, they planned ahead and how many millions they wanted to build. And they and haven't yes, sold them. <laughs> they haven't sold them, maybe because they couldn't build them. But they're not going to, if they can't use those parts in another phone, they're going to keep building the S21 until they've used them all because eventually they will sell. I just don't yeah. know. I mean, the 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 launch window puts it at odds with not just the S twenty two, but uh, you know, uh, 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 other other products from Samsung flips and the you know whatever you can find in the S twenty one line. It's just and weird. also the ACDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I that's very. I know true. that they didn't bring the. Yeah, they didn't bring the A72 to the US because they said that the S20 FE will start spot in that $500 to $600 segment. So I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, the timing is off, but I think that they're trying to make this into more of a global seller because I remember the S20 FE continues to sell really well. I mean, it sold really well in India when it launched last year. It was one of the few Samsung phones in that mid-tier segment that actually did well. So I think they're betting on that because, I mean, I don't see this phone being, I mean, contributing to a lot of overhead because it's sharing quite a lot of parts from the regular S21 anyway. Yeah. I would assume it has to be. I mean, yeah, it's just weird. And yes, 
it's not been an issue last year with the S20 FE because of the time it was announced and released. That yeah. it, there was enough time between the two products that surround it. But this year, there's not. And it's going to be weird. I mean, you know what? If If you're buying a new phone next February, buy the one that's cheapest. There's not going to be enough measurable difference between, you know, the three Samsung flagships or the FE budget flagship on the shelf to to warrant, you know, any real issues. And if you're not somebody who likes to chase specs, buy the one that's cheapest and you're still going to get the same user experience. Right. I, I And I have yep. uh, my dad and several other people that I know have bought the S20 FE and love that phone. Like I, I think, um, I think Samsung probably has nailed it with this line and they're going to take as long as they need to, because the, the S20 FE has still sold really, really well. I mean, we know it based on metrics that we have and we've seen and everything else. Like that's been a great product line for them. And, you know, like you said, it's like it hits it hits the nail on the head for most people. It's a great price phone. Unless you're looking for space zoom, you probably don't need <laughs> the, the high end Samsung flagship, you know? So, well, there, know. There, there are people who value specs. Of course, over, there over are other things. But and and those people, people. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't need our buying it. advice. No. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll, All we'll right. We will see, and we're going to go ahead and take our first break, and then we're going to come back and talk about ev- everything breaking. Because oh my god, it's been a it's been a it's been a week, or December has just been a month for things not working properly. So we'll be back in a second. Research is an essential part of my work and my life. In order to present our readers with the best Pixel Six cases. I need to make sure they're well-made and long-lasting. If your search to find the right people for your team is turning up nothing, there's another way to do it. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring tool you can use to attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't struggle to find high-quality candidates on your own. Indeed helps you hire the right people right now. It'll even guide you through every step of the hiring process, from finding talent with the needed skills through instant match, assessments, and virtual interviews. After all, there's nothing worse than going through a great resume and a wonderful interview before realizing that a candidate isn't trained on the systems that you use, training that can often take months that you don't have. Assessments let star applicants shine with tests for everything from coding to cooking. You pick what skills you want tested, and Indeed will give you a clear view of the talent's abilities. This also frees up time during the interview because you already know what skill level they already have, so you can spend more time talking about what matters to you and your team. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit doing upgrade your job post at Indeed.com ACP. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alrighty, I'm just going to start out with the outage that, or the the thing that broke that broke everything else. Um, Amazon Web Services went out for like six to eight hours on it was Tuesday, right? 
all the days run together. I don't all know. The, like, was. seriously, time is a flat circle right what? now, so Let's I'm see, sorry when did if I, I can't write tell this? days December apart. December 7th, and today is the Thursday. Night. So, yes, Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. Jeez. Amazon Web Services is one of the, like, hosting services that runs, like, tons and tons of websites. Like, you couldn't use the, like, you couldn't even open the McDonald's app while Amazon Web Services was ah, down. You couldn't good. get into Disney Plus while this was down. Because all of these other companies rely on Amazon's web services in order to run their products. You so dodged the bullet. Outage, you didn't need that other McRib. They're bad for you. You dodged the bullet one day of the year. Jerry, I just wanted a large fry. I just wanted my dollar <laughs> bad, fry. Bad for you. Just one fry, Jerry. That's all. We didn't need any more. <laughs> I'm yeah, out. No. Sorry. I'll see myself out. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it, it was bad. But also, I mean, it's just interesting to see how much of this relied on Amazon. Like, and it's not just when Amazon goes down for something like this. Like when Facebook went down. That crashed tons of other websites and products because Facebook provides services that a lot of these things use. Right. And when Google, like Google, ha uh, when Google Cloud goes down, you know, because that takes down like the other half, like the part of the internet that has all your social media and stuff. Like Amazon Cloud services went, services went down, but at least you could still get on pretty much all social media and go like, what the heck is going on? When Google Cloud goes down, that can take down like Insta and other things. And that was not great. So this this outage was noticeable in scope, but thankfully fixed. I'm not going to say relatively quickly because six hours is still a long time for whatever the heck no, it's happened. Not. <laughs> this it, people are mad at Amazon or people are saying that it took too long to get it fixed. No, be mad at the companies that went down for not using all of the cloud services microsoft google and amazon all have cloud computing services that will work for anything that you want you know your your french fries or disney plus or your roomba or anything else that went down all of that could have worked through azure or google cloud compute yep. yeah and these companies are too cheap to you they know, have one have, contract and that's it. And they need to have redundancy. Right. Well, and, they, and here's, they, go ahead. you know, they, they care more about the bottom line than how they serve their customers. Uh, that's how all companies are. But that doesn't mean you should be mad at Amazon. No, Because the people that were busting their ass to get this fixed didn't get it fixed fast enough for you. Right. Blame, so, blame the Walt Disney's and the iRobots and the other companies that were too cheap to buy, you know, a backup and the, the here's the thing the backups are easy when it comes to stuff like aws or azure right so this the scope of this was in the east region virginia data center okay they had networking issues with that data center basically the whole thing went offline and so all of these companies who have their products you know their services really apps whatever they're all residing in that data center in virginia yeah, so if they had opted for global redundancy or even redundancy on the West Coast, somewhere else in the yeah. U.S., they could have literally pushed a button. I did this for years. I know how it works. You could have pushed a button and within 30 minutes tops, they would have had their services back online running from the other data center. 
And it costs yep. more, but these are companies who make a crap ton of money. They could have easily done this. It's not difficult. So yeah, I'm with Jerry on this one. Don't blame Amazon. Go blame the companies whose products are you know out of order because they didn't use redundancy like they're supposed to. Right, and and this shit happens. Yeah, it uh, does. <laughs> it, this is some complicated <laughs> stuff. Nick I, probably I, knows more than I do. I because... can't believe stuff works the way it does. To yeah. be honest with you, I it, mean the the craziness of how. Uh, the internet as a concept even works is astounding. It, like it doesn't even make sense if you look at how traffic goes through routers at different points of the country and gets all of our stuff to where it can in the time it can and all of the other I, I don't know I don't want to go into it. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Like <laughs> it's almost magic that the fact that this stuff works. <laughs> it, it it should be down more than it's up. It really should. So <laughs> yep. And like not only that, but how secure these platforms are. Like you don't hear about AWS or Azure getting hacked every day. It doesn't nope. happen. Like it, I don't know. These are amazing services, and the fact that they only go down every so often, and most of the time they're nowhere near this magnitude of an outage, is a miracle and a half. Yes, I will say that it's a wonder <laughs> that they don't go out more often. And right. yeah, I will totally blame every single company that doesn't have redundancy because any multi, like any Fortune 500 company, if you make that much, redundancy should be like the first thing you think of if you're going to be setting up anything web-based. I I would see that. And, and I've said many times, I would probably be a really crappy CEO of a company and run my company into the ground and lose money. But I would say that being able to say, oh, because we invested in uh, our company infrastructure and, you know, didn't put all our eggs in one basket, we were only down for 30 minutes while you Target and McDonald's were down all day long. That's why our service is better. This is a selling point. You know, it's an investment. And apparently I'm wrong. It, it It's not an investment. It's better to just penny pinch and save as much money as you can. I don't think you're wrong, Jerry. I just think that a little, I, I think a few too many companies have been focused on so long as it works in, so long as it works most of the time, it's okay. And they don't care if it goes down, if like, cause they can blame it on the other companies. Like, Oh, we're, we're sorry. Amazon yeah. went down. That's sorry. That's on them. No. And it no. worked. It, it worked. Everybody is, blaming amazon for it so i guess that works and and it shows just how wrong thinking i am when it comes to business sense all righty well moving from one we're one, moving from one incredulous thing to another okay this pixel bug that was discovered a week and a half Blame ago amazon no no <laughs> this is gonna be no this one's even weirder jerry okay i know so the, bu uh, the bug here, which has, there's a temporary fix for Teams users that are affected, uh, and there's a permanent patch that will be coming in an app update, which is hopefully available by the time you hear this podcast. But um, a Pixel 3 user reported on Reddit that they were unable to call 911. And that's, like, that's the one thing your phone has to always be able to do. Like, that is mandated. That is a critical safety feature. It has to be able to do that. And it couldn't. Thankfully, they had another phone that they could call from. But at the same time, 
uh, they needed to figure out why. And so there were users investigated and then Google got involved. And the culprit that they eventually pinned down was the Microsoft Teams app, which is just, I'm I'm sorry. The fact that a app that was installed but not logged in could mess up a core Android functionality is an exploit that just boggles the mind. Because here, because uh, if 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 you had Microsoft Teams installed so that you could say join a video call or something that you get invited to by people in another organization, if you have it installed but you aren't logged in, when you went to make a nine one one phone call, apparently something in the Microsoft Teams app because it is able to make calls would cause something to go wrong in the Android system and emergency calls failed. Google, I I. I... You know, I, I don't want to say the words that I'm thinking, so I'll just say you done messed up. Oh, and they they fig- they they owned up to that very quickly. <laughs> I I don't know how this happened, and nobody outside of you know a few very smart people that are going to fix it know exactly how it happened. But this can't happen if you let your operating system degrade into a state where an app. Even if the app itself was riddled with bugs and Microsoft Teams probably is not riddled with bugs. It's just a conflict somewhere. You've got some serious fixing to do. And yeah, that's that's we're I'm thankful that it only seems to have been happened. It only seems to have happened in pixels so far because this is a bug between Microsoft Teams and the Android core operating system. And it's going to be patched in the January security update. I'm thankful that nobody died. Yes. Like, that's the thing. 911 calls are the thing that you call it if somebody is a is in serious danger. Like, a house is on fire and there are people stuck inside. Or grandma's having a stroke on the uh, on the kitchen floor. Like, these are the times that you call 911. And if your call doesn't go through, that could kill somebody. And that is, that is not a lawsuit anybody wants. But more importantly, that is something that should never, ever happen. And I don't know the laws in, in other countries. But here in the United States, uh, if I produce a phone, it has to be able to call 911 even without a SIM card in it. Yes. It just has to work. It, it I, I can't sell it unless it can call emergency services anytime it's turned on. And it didn't. And this is this isn't something that can be ignored. Whatever the root of this problem is, whatever allows this kind of conflict to happen google you better get that fixed yeah no they're they're fixing it and they're working with microsoft on it and i'm i'm willing to bet that this isn't an authentication failure that caused the muck up here because of course it has i'm because microsoft teams has the ability to make calls but it needs you to be logged in for that and if you're not logged in i'm willing to bet that it fails the authentication when you try to dial so but that shouldn't happen would tell me that Android allows an app to take over a basic function instead of the app is the second choice. Yeah, no, seriously, for emergency calls, I do not care what other dialer I have installed. The only di- the only thing that should be able to call 911 on my phone is the system dialer because that's the one that you know it will work. And I think Google's going to be very lucky if it escapes an FCC investigation for that because that's one of those things if it's like, a phone has to be able to do this 100% of the time. I hope the FCC investigates Google and finds the living crap out of them. 
I, I, I can't stress enough. Don't just fix this bug. You have to figure out what you can do so this bug can never happen again. If that means fundamentally changing the way Android interacts with third-party applications, that's what you have to do. Yeah, no, it's yep. it's they're chain they're they're patching this on a system level, but now I think the question becomes, okay, if something could cause that to go wrong, are there any other like super critical systems that need to be reexamined to ensure that they are not uh they are not vulnerable to any other exploits or mishaps like this? Cuz the there are very few things that your phone has to be able to do 100% of the time. If even one of those fails, you need to check the rest. Because that this should never have been able to happen. The fact that it did is bad. The fact that it's getting fixed, the fact that it is, there's a workaround in progress, there's a permanent fix coming to the Microsoft Teams app, hopefully now, and there will be a system patch in a month. But the thing is, if this is a bug that could have affected other phones and other systems, and it still might, because this is something that, again, it impacted a core part of the Android operating system. Android security patches aren't instantly installed by every single phone on the planet. No. So thank God this is something that is limited to one app and a series of phones that are updated con- or that are updated every single month. But this is I don't think this is a pixel dialer bug. I think no. this is a core Android yes. functionality no, bug is... from what I understand. Yes. So that means is... that there's a chance that this could happen on every Galaxy S phone that already has Android 12 in it. Oh, not even that. This was a bug that interacted with Android 10 and up. Okay, so, you know, there are... I, I looked into, you know, security patch stuff. Because I was going to write like a little report card how the OEMs are doing. I gave up because everyone looks to Samsung as the great example. Uh, no, even even Samsung, who does so much better than all the other companies out there, not counting Google, of course. Uh, most of their phones only get security patch updates once every three months for two years. I mean, most of their phones, that, that's how it is. It it's if you spend more money on a phone, you're more likely to get security and critical bug fixes like this faster. Uh, you can't have this. Once Google gets this fixed, any phone that could be affected needs to be updated instantly. And that'll never happen. Yeah, no, that's even with all the project mainline stuff, even with like this is something that is. Sys- like system, cr- this is a core Android thing. This cannot be updated by Google Play services. This is something that's going to have to maybe, be fixed. Maybe well, it can. We don't know. Google has done some wonderful work there with, you know, making mainline modules do things that nobody ever expected they'd be able to. I would love for this to be one of those cases. And everybody with an Android phone that has Google Play services is updated instantly. That would would put me at ease but that's the fact a long that this shot says, the, the fact that it that the core like the fact that the vulnerability has to be fixed in the next security patch tells me it's not mainline which Probably. means that this is going to be an issue if it impacts anything other than pixel phones this needs to be able to be patched through mainline in the next version of android yes yeah yeah because you can't have stuff like this 
Like, period. I, mm. I, I'm calling out Android because that's where this happened. This kind of bug could happen on any. It could happen on your iPhone. It could happen if you've been keeping an old Windows phone or a, a, a freaking Palm Pre. It, it could happen because all software ships with bugs, all software ships with incredibly annoying, unbelievable bugs, all software ships with bugs that, in this case, are, was could be life-threatening. They're, they're that severe. They all do. It's just, do we ever stumble across them? And this time somebody stumbled across it on an Android phone. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that every company out there is now looking to make sure this can never happen to them. You know, I guess every company out there is now only Apple, isn't it? And does anybody else make smartphones <laughs> anymore? But, does anybody uh, else make smartphone OSs anymore, you mean? Yeah. Um, right, no. Well, Huawei now, but that's China only. Yeah. Windows, well, Windows phone forever. <laughs> Huawei is just Android <laughs> with lipstick on it. Uh, I just, I, this is, this is the biggest news of the week to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was, it, it's something that's very small, but it's like a, it's like an air embolism. It's small, but it could kill you if it happens at the wrong time. So this, this was not fun to write. This was terrible to read about. And it's terrible to think that, okay, this is something caused by an app from one of the biggest corporations that like does tons of testing. Like Microsoft is great about tech checking their apps and making sure everything works. And this happened with a Microsoft app on Google, which Google should be testing everything. Like the fact that this could happen boggles the mind. The fact that it's going to be fixed is good, but it doesn't negate the fact that this should not have happened. Like this, this is the WTF moment. Like the first, like even just reading the headline of that Reddit thread is, "Oh, my Pixel phone couldn't call nine one one. I'm sorry. What? No, that's. I when when you pick up a phone and it, it open the dialer and press nine one one, everything in the background needs to just halt, stop, can't interact, can't do anything. I don't care if you want to use. Microsoft Teams to call emergency services, screw you. You don't get to. You're getting connected through your carrier directly to, you know, a dispatcher, and everything else is just put on hold. That that's how it has to work. Yes. The only the only difference to that is it needs to work through the traditional carrier services if you're on mobile network. If you are on Wi-Fi, your phone needs to either be able to say, okay, I want to take, I want to make my uh, 911 call either over Wi-Fi if the cell phone reception is crap or I want to try and make it through mobile networks. But those are the only two ways it can happen. And it has to work every single time no matter what you pick. So this is... This was not great. This was bad. And I'm hopeful that it only... I'm ho- I'm hopeful that it was limited to just Pixel phones because of the way that it's implemented. But I have the... I have a terrible feeling in like the pit of my chest that it's like, oh, this is like Pixel doesn't make a whole lot of changes to the operating system there. So this is something that could probably happen to other phones that are mostly stock Android. But we just haven't heard about it. Because again, it's a limited user case. It's a limited, it's the stars had to align for this. Yeah, nobody uses happens. Pixel phones. 
and and of of the few people that use a Pixel phone, how many use Microsoft Teams? Then you drill down further. How many have needed to call nine one one? Thankfully, that number is very low. Oh, the number is even smaller because again, it's if you're logged into Microsoft Teams, you're fine. It's if you have the app installed, but you're not logged into it. Which that's a very small number of people because who installs an app that they don't log in or like that that they don't use? Because if you have Microsoft Teams installed and you don't have a login, literally the only thing you can do is open links from other people. All I know is 25 years ago, Snake never stopped me from calling anybody on my old Nokia. <laughs> no, no, it did not. So Long now this is Snake. Yeah, no, this. I'm sorry, it's, I'm running out of things to say about it, but it's still just like, what the crap? Like, that's that's one of the biggest Android news things of the month, if not possibly the year, because this kind of a exploit should not be able to happen. Like, yeah, sure, if, if we've had Android vulnerabilities, like, where it's like, okay, they could take root command and they could, like, steal your information. No, no, if this happened, you could die. Yeah, if I'm that's dying, I don't give a crap about my bank pin. Take yeah, it, like, but like, let an ambulance come. There's security exploits, and then there's life-threatening. This is life-threatening. And the fact that it was able to happen is horrifying. And, yeah, I know we're going to have to move on because we've all, we've, we're, we'll, we can scream at this till we're blue in the face. I'm happy it's getting fixed. This should never have been able to happen. I really, I want Google to publicly show the post-mortem on this because that's a they breach might. of trust and you need to show, okay, Here's how this was able to happen, and here's what we're doing to ensure it never, ever, ever happens again. They, they, they actually might do that. Google has, in the past, been been pretty good sometimes about you know explaining how things got horribly broken. Yeah, no, and like this is the kind of thing that if you had brought it to the Android bug bounty, like I want to know what that payout would have been because being able to break Android like that defies logic so it's gonna get fixed hopefully thankfully quickly but in the meantime don't in install me microsoft teams if you're running android 10 or higher i'm sorry microsoft your app is great lots of people love it but you can't be sure there isn't another bug hiding in the way that it functions yeah no and that's call me paranoid but Man, if you or or someone around you is in need bad enough where you have to call 911, that shit's got to work. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's not negotiable. So, be aware, be on the lookout. Hopefully, this exact set of circumstances cannot apply to you. If you are in that rare category of Android 10 and above, Microsoft Teams downloaded but not in, uh, but not logged in, Uninstall and reinstall the app or just straight uninstall it. Get away from it. <laughs> I, I know enough people have tried. It, it's fine on the iPhone. You can install Teams and not log into it. You can still, you know, dial 911. And, you know, I didn't test it because I don't want to have to explain to a dispatcher at the sheriff's office why I called 911. But I know other people have tested it and it works. And, you know... That's all fingers point at Google. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is this is not good. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing 
the exact specifics of what happened and how do we make sure it never happens again. But we're, we're going to have to move on. Alrighty, so moving on to other bugs that are not life-threatening. Um, so I'm going to skip the Android 12L just for a second because I want to get to buggy updates that have been pushing out to phones. Because even when you, even if the software that comes on your phone didn't have bugs on it, when you get updates, those can introduce bugs as well, as we're seeing from the uh, rollout of Android 12 for Oxygen OS for OnePlus phones and on the Galaxy Z Flip and Z Fold. So the for the Galaxy Z Flip and Z Fold 3, apparently there have been so many bugs for the Android One UI 4 uh, update that they have considered pausing or halting the rollout and making sure they can fix everything before they continue because things have just not been great. It hasn't been, again, nothing as bad as what we were just talking about, but still annoying. And I'm... I know that Android 12 just introduced, there were, anytime we have a major system upgrade where the, oh, like the way the system, anything that has to deal with a major system UI change tends to have more bugs in it as updates and as manufacturers be like, okay, we have to, this is the core, this was how Android 12 was changed and we need to make sure all of our visual fixes get added into that. So that, that takes more time that can lead to more things going wrong, but I don't know why Samsung rushed the Z Flip Z Fold rollout, considering they had literally just finished doing Android 12 for the S21 line. Actually, not even the entire line. They just did it for the S21, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. though, if it works on the S21, it should work on the Flip and Fold. And without that's, issue. This is the weird thing to me, because, yeah, for the most part, this has been a pretty darn stable update. And especially the, the the beta pack, I think the first beta was kind of crappy, right? Remember, oh, yeah. remember correctly? It was terrible. And then shortly after that, they fixed it in, in very short order. And I think since then, at least for the S21, it's been great. Now, I have not had access to the beta for the Fold 3. I requested it, and I never got granted it for whatever reason. But uh, um, and, and it never came across on my Samsung members app either. So I, I, I never even got the chance to try it. But they got your um, number. They know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Screw well, that guy. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, in any case, though, I'm surprised to see this because at, at least and I can't remember the last time this has happened to Samsung, but they've been pretty good about software testing and making sure these things don't happen. So it's I don't know. And, and yes, the software is different in the flip in the fold and different between the flip and the fold in yes. a lot of ways, but all those ways have to do with user experience. When you're flipping and folding the, right. the, the core of the operating system is the same as it is on the S 21. Yeah. And they're the same processors and everything. Yeah. Too. That's the thing. It's like the, really the, the base of these phones are they're identical. Yeah, all of them, which would really surprised me when I heard how buggy it was on the, the the fold. I I don't know anybody with a flip that's tried it, but I do know somebody with the fold, and yeah, it's it's buggy. Maybe it's built on an old version because they you know they need to beta test something else. I don't know. I I kind of wonder if um like you're saying with the old version, maybe this has something to do with Android 12L. Like maybe they were holding out to to build it with maybe. 12L, but I really don't know. Well, if they were holding out to do that, then why push the update at all? Well, because they already promised December. Yeah, that's uh, another thing that they they never should have shipped 
out any type of beta test of regular Android 12 if they're not going to use Android 12. If they're using Android 12L as the base for these two phones, why? Why? Why make more work for the poor guys in your engineering department? Dumb. Especially because the bug, like, there are gra- granted there are plenty of like system bugs, but a bug that between the S21 and the Galaxy Z Fold or Z Flip, and that'll kick you into recovery mode and can't get you out of it. That's that's more than a bug. Like that should have been caught in testing. Yeah, but that's the best bug because you can just walk into you know whatever Best Buy is closest to you with a Samsung store and get a new phone and walk out. Yeah, because it's a stable update that screwed with it, and that'll get you a new phone and a lot of frustration of having to set it up from scratch again. And don't don't be putting no beta software on your new phone. It's not great. I don't know why they rushed the fold flip when the beta was so limited and so short. So hopefully hopefully things get resolved there relatively quickly. Um, Oxygen OS 12 update has also been... We've been seeing bugs, but not as egregious as the flip and fold. But OnePlus has just not had a good track record with updates being stable over the last year and a half, have they, Harish? No, they have not. And with regards to Oxygen OS 12, I don't even know where to begin with the number of things that have, that have broken there. Yeah. It's just, I talk to a lot of the guys that are working in the on the product side as well. And even they admit off the record that um, they do not want to integrate ColorOS into the into the platform because what they did earlier this year was integrate both code bases because, well, now they're one entity. OnePlus is a sub-brand of Oppo and all that. Um, so what Oxygen OS 12 is, is basically ColorOS 12. Uh, that's it. There's no change whatsoever because even on the NARC that came with Oxygen OS 11.3, that had color OS underneath, but it still had a few features from Oxygen OS. But with the Oxygen OS 12 version, there's nothing that's unique to OnePlus. Um, there's one feature called work-life balance that they've been testing in India for a few years, and that is making its way to global users now. I think that is the only other change that I see from a regular phone, regular Oppo phone that has color OS 12. Um, where they've been running in, running into issues is they're trying to integrate a lot of the ColorOS stuff based on Android 12 and still shoehorn some of the existing Oxygen OS 12 features, Oxygen OS features, and they just did not, and they just still haven't been able to do that successfully. So, yeah, I I think at this point, they're just going to get rid of Oxygen OS altogether. Well, they're already doing that from next year anyway. All of their phones will now come with just Color OS. So yeah, it's a shame because this was one of the main reasons why their phones sold. And now they just don't have an edge on the software front anymore. Bring back Cyanogen mod for OnePlus phones. If only. <laughs> if only. Oh, yeah, yes. no, it's... <laughs> I get why they wanted to My merge just that way it would be easier to update and easier to keep stable. This is not more stable and this is not helpful. Yeah, it's not easy behind the scenes as well because they had to merge both divisions. They have a huge software team based out of India that handles all of the update stuff now. And uh, from what I've heard internally, it's just been such a... Uh, well, I wouldn't even say... I don't even know what to say to... This. I need to take a minute because it's just been a 
It's just been a shit show. I think that's the best word to describe what's been going on internally at OnePlus and Oppo for the last six months. Um, because a lot of the guys that were actually building the software, uh, designing the features for Oxygen OS, they've all left once they introduced the integration, once they formally announced the integration. So now a lot of the guys that are working on, you know, rolling out these updates don't know what's actually causing something to not work. So they're running around in circles without having any idea as to what's going on. Yeah, no, that's it's just not a great situation. Yeah, no, I don't envy anybody's task that has to do this. This is a nightmare. I mean, even with, you know, a lot of the uh, the Chinese skins where they had to strip Google out of it because of the way things are right. Even having to to reintroduce some of that stuff. I don't even know where to begin with that. Like once you strip all that stuff out. It's not like, oh, well, I'll just drop the code back in here and it'll work just fine. Mm. Nope, it doesn't work like that. And like you're saying, if this no, is doesn't. just color OS, then that basically means that's what they had to do, is it not? Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's weird. They it's could crazy. Just call it color OS and then just be done with it because color OS itself, the beta that's on the Find X3 Pro, that's just fine. I haven't had any issues with it. I think it's on the third beta now. Um, and it's been just fine. There's no issues whatsoever. But they're trying to shoehorn some of the legacy OnePlus, uh, well, Oxygen OS features into right. there on the OnePlus stuff, and it just hasn't worked for them. Yeah. It's smart of them to at least keep some of those legacy features because I really do think that's what a significant portion of the user base buys those phones for. They like those features in that style, and that's, you know, OnePlus has its own thing. But yeah, it's that's a that's a not an easy task. But that's the problem. Uh, they haven't been able to make that work. So what's running on the OnePlus Nine now with the stable Android Twelve build is basically just Color OS with a different name. That's about it. So yeah, yeah. Well, a buggier version of Color OS Twelve. <laughs> right. I just love how incredulous you sound, Arish. It's like you can't believe it. In, in your voice is just <laughs> saying, "What the f is going on?" And I just love it because I agree. <laughs> what the F is going on? It doesn't make any sense to me from a business point of view because their biggest differentiator was the software. And they built up a lot of cachet over that for the, from the last, what, six or seven years now. And they just threw that down the drain. And, it, and they said it'll deliver better updates. And it has not done that at all because even with the OnePlus 6 and 6T, um, because of the fact that a lot of the team that was working on those is left, there have been so many issues when the those phones made the switch to Android 11 a month ago. And there have been issues with WhatsApp and a lot of the services that are used by, you know, a decent chunk of their user base every day. So it's not an ideal situation. And I don't think it's something that they can fix. Bring back Cyanogen mod. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it... it... It's not good, and I really hope it gets better in 2022, but I'm not super optimistic about it right now. Uh, th- these are the kind of problems that are, you know, go hand in hand with getting big. Yeah. When there were only, you know, a half a million OnePlus phones out there, nobody cared about this because those users, they fixed it themselves. Or, you know, they, they could find ways to work around it until OnePlus got a, you know, a, a fix out to them. Now you're a mainstream company and and you have to deal with these issues on your own 
under a lot of pressure and it just sometimes it doesn't make you look great. This is one of those times. Yeah. Hey, at least your phone still turn on, unlike those flips. Yeah, right? really. Right, That's there you go. Glass half full. Good job, That's Jerry. Right. Alrighty, so for an update that is fixing bugs, uh, the first Android 12L beta came out this week. It, I know that it's mostly geared towards foldables, but it's also available on some Pixel phones, and it has the December patches, but it's the first 12L beta, and I don't, I don't think we've seen terribly much out of it yet. It's I'm excited the first one's here. I'm excited to see what it turns into in the next couple of months. But I'm I don't know how strong of an opinion I can have on it right now because it's just like, oh hey, you're here. Cool. You're nowhere near ready for prime time yet, right? Pretty much. <laughs> yes. A pixel fold, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe the day the Pixel Watch launches, who knows? Maybe later. I, you know, I'm just curious why <laughs> it's not available for the Pixel Six. It's weird, isn't it? Was it? Is it the three A up to the five A? You can install yeah, 3A the twelve L. Okay, why not the Pixel Six? Because it's brand new, and Google is focusing wanna, on other things. Yeah. Do you not want to booby trap your new phone, and instead let <laughs> people with your old stuff be your I don't even want to call it a beta test or that, alpha that test. That tells me that whatever they have to do for Tensor is not in this. Yeah. Yes. That, I just want to right there, to say Jerry. It. Thank you, mm. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. I'm perfectly fine with it not being available on the Pixel 6. I want things to be stable and normal while I go home for Christmas. Thank you very much. To anybody who is considering putting Android 12L on their phone, I would remind you that this is the time of year that a lot of us tend to like travel and go places. Please, for the love of God, make sure that your phone is stable and will work no matter where you go this Christmas. And I'll can go I put it in my Z Fold 3? <laughs> I'll go a step further. And if you only have one phone and you depend on it, don't install beta software ever. Never. Yeah. Let, yeah. let idiots like me test that crap and get on Twitter and whine because our phone's broken. And because you can just phone. sit back and laugh. And and wait until it's not going to break your phone. Then you can install it. Yeah, no, it's... I understand the urge. Like, we've all been there where it's like, okay, I really want to try the new stuff, but it's the only phone I have. So yeah, it, don't give in to that urge. If you want to beta test anything, if it's your only phone, beta test apps. You're not missing anything. It's the fear of missing out. And, you know, and that that goes for phone nerds like us and like you listening don't don't let that fear of missing out tempt you into installing crappy software on a device you depend on. Just don't do it. I'm done. Okay. Alrighty. <laughs> but I'm I'm happy to see it's here and I hope we see good things from it over the next couple of months. But for now, it's here. Only install if you install at your own peril. That will. That is all I will say during a busy time no, of year like this. No, don't encourage it. No, don't do it unless you have a spare phone. Don't do it. I'll go further. Don't, 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 don't beat yourself like that. Alrighty. Well, for an update that actually improved the device that it came to, uh, the December update for the Chromecast with Google TV came out this week, and actually, 
freed up storage space, which is incredible because I'd been operating on like no free space on my Chromecast Google TV for months. What's storage space, right? <laughs> yeah. What's storage space? I had to di- like in the summer when I wanted to update, like not even install new apps. I just wanted to update apps that were already there. I had to down. I had to dis- uh, I had to delete like four different apps. And this update took me from be- having zero space left to being like, oh, hey, here's 300, 400 megabytes of space. Oh, my God. That's amazing. What did you do? Um, so this one came with storage optimizations, which is, I think, the main reason that this update came at all. We also got ambient mode, which is okay, but the storage optimizations is super important. And I think the storage optimization coming lays the groundwork for the feature that everybody actually wanted to see in this update, which was personalized profiles. Because we've been we've been waiting for personalized profiles for, God, a year now. Basically, since this thing came out, we've been waiting to see profiles. So that way, my recommendations don't get messed up by anybody else in my house's recommendations whenever I go home for Christmas. Yeah, but now your significant other or your kid's profile is going to eat up that 300 megabytes exactly, of free space. Exactly, like it's... Yeah, no, I I wrote an editorial on this, actually, because that's the only, like, the storage is the only flaw with the Chromecast or Google TV. Remote is great. It works well. It's it's a good device, especially for $50. But Google, what the heck were you thinking with only putting 8 gigabytes of storage in something that you're going to keep adding features to and is barely has rooms for the apps that it has installed right now? Because like, every time you have a new profile, that means you have a new al- uh, you have a new algorithm for recommendations that you have to save. You have a new uh, preferences and what you have installed and what you uh, and currently watching. All of that data has to be replicated for every profile on the device. And Google knows this. Like if you have multiple profiles installed on a Chromebook, that takes a a not insignificant amount of data for every person that's installed on that Chromebook. Because your Chrome because uh, every Chrome profile is like a gigabyte or more of data, because it has your history and your preferences and all of your saved passwords and all of that fun stuff. So it need it takes space, and Google made a, a device that st- that purposefully does not have space. So it's not great. I'm happy to get the data back. I'm not going to go out and install anything else on my Chromecast or Google TV because I know that. Things are coming that are going to eat that space. Google made space for what comes next. Oh, no, is my my first generation Shield TV might be old, but it's got an eight terabyte hard drive attached to it. Oh, <gasps> amazing. To be fair, you could attach an eight terabyte hard drive to your Google TV through a USB-C hub. You wouldn't be able to write anything to it, but you could at least read all the movies on there. But yeah, eight, like at least, at least the 2019 Shield TV had a micro SD slot on on the back so that way you could plug in a card if you run out of room and then mount it as adoptable storage and use it for apps. You, even with the USB-C hub, things aren't quite as, it's not plugging directly into the Chromecast with Google TV. There's an intermediary, which means that you're always going to be dealing with, it's uh, not quite as fast. It's not quite as good. And that kills me. Google does not want you to install apps on a Chromecast. And and I don't blame them, to be honest. The operating system wasn't really designed for that. But they want me to watch all of my shows. And all of my shows have different apps. Like, I have 
I have 10 different streaming subscriptions on my Chromecast TV right now and 14 different apps. But but that happened after the Chromecast concept was invented. You know, if if, if I, I, I'm not sure I haven't looked at I've got one here in the box and never hooked it up. Is that running the same Chromecast software we're familiar with or is it running no, some version of Android TV? Baby. Yes, are, it's running... are we sure? Yes. Like Jerry, it's it's okay. It's Google TV is what Android TV is going to be called going forward, basically. Right, but I maybe I'm pretty maybe. sure it's a conglomeration <laughs> of the two, and it's something different. It's not the same old Android TV that you can yeah, buy. To, to me, it feels more like what we see on um, the the Nest hubs in in regards to it being different from similar yeah, I, hardware. I, I don't, I don't right? know if that's just a visual thing or if that's an actual changes in the operating system. Like, go into the settings. It's Android. <laughs> Originally, the, the idea was not to use apps. It was just a streaming device. Right. Well, that, that is not is, the concept changed. here. That, that's changed, and Google didn't change with, you know, the landscape. It, the, 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 the stupid thing, they could put a terabyte of storage, of, of storage in it and, and charge 70 bucks instead of 35 when it's on sale. And and people would the same amount of people would have bought it. It's not like it's a super popular product anyway. It's you know I, I guess it's another one of those products that's supposed to showcase Google's ideas. Uh, stick some storage in it or make it easy. Put a second USB C port in the back so somebody can plug a hard drive in, like I can in my old Shield, and let you write to it. Yeah, and and, it, yeah. and done. Problem solved. But I'm, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it was adding a, a dumb decision. The, yeah, like I, I don't need it to have like tons of ports on the back. I don't need it to have. I just needed you to put more than eight gigabytes of storage. Like, if you, we Google has reached the point where it realizes that storage is required for things. Like that's why all the phones it starts at one twenty eight and goes up from there. Chromebooks, most of their Chromebooks start at sixty four and go up from there. Google knows that you have in order to run things, in order to have your features and your apps installed. They have to be stored somewhere. The fact that they released this product last year during a pandemic when everybody was stuck home and trying all of these new like fitness app, uh, fitness uh, workout apps and all of these new streaming services. And they released it with only eight gigabytes of storage, 4.4 of which is available to users. And most of us have three gigabytes of apps and app data installed basically at all times. So you have one gigabyte or less to play with. There's an easy fix for that. Just make a new class of app. And yeah, developers, you can go ahead and track me down and beat me for saying this. But make a new class of app for these types of streaming devices. That's just a, a Chrome container. Host that crap on the web somewhere. And then the app installs like, you know, 90 kilobytes. Instead of, you know... 120 megabytes for an app not counting its data but that would be a web container that would be designed for mouse and pointer or be designed for touchscreen not for a remote it would still be you can emulate mouse movements if you lay out the design if the app works now the web could look exactly the same i think that's a less complicated i think that's a more complicated solution than just have enough storage well, for shit. less <laughs> complicated than somebody from Google driving to your house, taking apart your Chromecast and putting more storage in it. 
Oh, I'm mm-hmm. saying that anybody who's already bought one, it's you're you have what you have. I'm saying they should pull a quest too and just stop selling the ones or either sell out the sell out the batch that they currently have and then re-release it with either 16 or 32 gigabytes of storage. Cuz if the quest could do that and like other products have done that. You the could, elephant in the room though is why the hell does a streaming app have to be so big? Uh, I don't know. Ask Twitch. Before this update, their app was 800 megabytes. Yeah, why? That's, that's, there's nothing there except a, a user interface shell. It's All a the web content. wrapper, basically, right? Yeah. I mean, geez. What, what the hell are you doing to make your app need to be that big and take up so much space? I, I do not know. The Twitch we, we app has never been especially Jerry. great bitmaps. on Google TV, but... <laughs> well, it's it, we can single out Twitch because that's a number you remember, but all of them, Netflix, Paramount, Disney+, Plus, all of these apps, I guarantee, are just full of extras. And the Disney Plus app was 60 megabits. The Hulu app, I want to say, was either 47 or 74. Wait, we, we say 60 megabits like that's not a lot for just a user shell. That's outrageous. That's I 10 mean, times it, bigger than it needs to be. It also needs to hold like the player and all of the settings for changing your subtitles and your audio tracks. And like, Jerry, it's the web player. It's like it doesn't stream your web player. The web player has to be local and then it just renders. You know, the content I know how that stream. works, Era. <laughs> but the, the web player is not 60 megabits, megabytes, megabits, whatever. Uh, it's not. It's it's just a few. The the preferences are a few more, but the changes those preferences make all come from the web. You know, you're not getting closed captions generated on your device. They're being streamed to you. These apps are way bigger than they need to be. And Google didn't see that happening. And it's Google's job to have figured out in advance, look, look, look at this trend. And you know, we need to put more storage in a device. But there there are ways that the software can be tweaked. And, and we saw this. Google did something with the operating system that freed up a bunch of space. Uh, they could encourage app developers to do the same. If every developer could free up, you know, 30% of the space their app uses, you'd get a whole lot more free space. It's still not going to be enough, but it's a start. It's all band-aids over a poor hardware decision yeah but but it's already out there that's what i'm saying yeah you 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 can't just abandon people who bought your first product no and i mean the product still works well you just can't install every single app you just can't install all the services you want on it especially once you start getting yeah and you should be able to so i'm I still love it. I'm still happy I bought one. I'm still happy that I bought one for both of my parents. We bought uh, last year, we got a Chromecast with Google TV for mom for the kitchen. And then around Father's Day, we got one for my dad for the bedroom. And they both use them and they're both seemingly happy with them. I, I use mine four to 12 hours a day. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's not a proud statistic, but I use my Google TV a lot and I use it every day and I still love the product i just wish that whenever an update was coming i didn't immediately think oh crap what do i gotta get what's low who's getting voted off the island (sighs) in order to install updates so 
I'm happy that we have more storage for now. I know that it's not going to last. Alrighty. And I think that is all that we had for this week. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about what's making us happy after all of this doom and gloom and critical bug fixes and hardware failures. So we'll be right back. There's never been a better time to become a, pr- a programmer. And with Codecademy, you learn to code on your own terms. Simply put, Codecademy is the best way to learn to code online. They not only teach you job-ready coding skills, but also help you build unique projects for your portfolio, earn certificates, and even prep for technical interviews. Having been an Android writer for seven years now, I'm slightly embarrassed that I, I haven't learned any Java since high school. Hello, world! I'd love to be able to get some coding literacy so I could better understand the apps I use and how the features I want to see added to these apps would actually be able to be added. And Codecademy could help me do this if I had the time, and I hope you have the time. Codecademy will help you get qualified for in-demand jobs in as little as two months. You choose what you learn rather than being stuck in a cookie-quarter course load. And because it's an interactive platform, you can do as you learn to help lessons better take and get instant feedback when something isn't working. Join the millions of people learning to code with Codecademy and see where coding can take you. Get 15% off your Codecademy Pro membership when you go to Codecademy.com and use promo code ANDROID. That's promo code ANDROID at Codecademy.com to get 15% off Codecademy Pro, the best way to learn to code. C-O-D-E-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com, promo code ANDROID. Alrighty, so there's a lot of things to, we're in a happy season, or I hope it's a happy season. I know I'm, I'm happy I'm going to get to go home soon. I'm happy that the shopping season is hopefully almost over and I don't have to do terribly much shopping. But what what's making y'all happy? Harish, what's making you happy? I'm excited for two things. Uh, first is the end of the Formula One season. That's this weekend in Abu Dhabi. Um, it's been an interesting season. I think this is one of the longest in the calendar. And the last race, it's down to the wire between the two front runners. So, yeah, very excited to see where that goes and who wins. Um, who do you and, support? Uh, Max. He's okay. the Red Bull driver. And yep. he's done okay. really well this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing I'm excited for is a projector. It's by a brand called XGIMI. I don't know. I'll just spell it out. It's <laughs> XGIMI. So I don't know how to pronounce it, but they make a lot of good projectors and uh, they released their first ultra shot throw laser projector and I got my hands on it and I just started using it and it's fantastic. Um, so I'm very excited to stream the race on that. Cool. Projectors are always cool. I don't get to play yeah. with them, but they are cool. Uh, not the one I have. It's not cool. I like the shot I'm not going to mention its name. <laughs> I like the shot throw projectors because I don't need to mount it anywhere. I can just put it like 10 centimeters away from a wall and I'll still get yeah. a large picture. Yeah. Well, it, you know, got to be careful with the cheap projectors or you're going to be like me and find out that you didn't really save any money because your little projector that has like fake Google TV software installed doesn't have the right DRM licenses and and can't stream anything. So plays. you're gonna have to oh, plug. You get errors every time you try to oh, yeah. play something. Oh, you get terrible. what you pay for. Yeah, yep. no. Uh, Jerry, what's making you happy? Uh, it's not just Formula One season; it's smoker season. Uh, I I 
a long time ago before I stopped knowing how to weld. I built a big smoker out of oil barrels, basically. Uh, clean. They're clean. <laughs> and this is the time of year where I just smoke everything for everyone. It's going right now. It's got a bunch of meats, some sausages, cheese in it. Uh, not only is it delicious, but a lot of people like it. And it makes for great, you know, holiday gifts. And I enjoy doing it. Uh, it's a little more difficult now that I'm, you know, not as ambulatory as I used to be. But I've got it rigged up where I can still get out there and flip my thing open and pretend like I'm some big fancy barbecue chef and <laughs> end up getting soot on my nose and not knowing it for a day. And my wife won't tell me and thinks that's funny. And But at the end of the day, I get to eat, you know, smoked bratwurst and heck yeah and cheese so it's worth it i love it nice so what you what wood do you use to smoke i use apple because of where i'm at i can get as much apple as i want for free so uh, it's not so great with pork some pork is good with apple but you know it's not as good as it is with mesquite or, or something and yeah i guess preferences i don't know but uh apple is uh, i i you know it's good enough. It's really interesting with cheese. Apple smoked cheese is an acquired taste, maybe, but I like it. The smoked anything sounds interesting. When you said smoker season, I'm like, I know it's wonderful because I'll I'll walk outside at night and I'll just be like, ah, somebody has a fireplace going somewhere in the distance, right? Because I I'll just walk outside and I'll smell the uh, I'll smell a fireplace or I'll smell somebody having a wood fire burning somewhere and I'll just be like, yep. ah, I want s'mores. I, I get up every morning and, and have an egg and a glass of chocolate milk. And I go outside and I light the smoker and let it get going and throw some food on it. And I check it at lunchtime and then I check it at the end of the day. I love that. It just sits and does its, its own fantastic. thing and I don't, I don't have to babysit it. That's the best well, kind you know, of cooking. Yeah, unless it's cheese. Of course, you can't keep cheese in there all day long. It, it gets... A little runny if you do yeah. that. Yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. Because cheese will just, like, all of the meats and whatnot, things will render out and they will just get good. Cheese will just melt. Yeah, you, you have to keep cheese in the coldest part. And you have to, you know, keep an eye on it. After we're done here and before our weekly staff meeting, I have to run out there and pull the cheese off. Well, I'm not running anywhere. I'm wheeling out there and and pull some cheese off and... I've got a little cooler here to put it in and let it, you don't want to put it right into something cold. You want it to let it cold, cool down on its own, but uh, I'm not going to let it cool down before I start testing it. Oh, darn. Taste tests. Yes. What a shame. <laughs> what a shame. Nick, how about you? Uh, well, as, as if this is different from most other weeks, um, I've been playing a new game. <laughs> Um, it's called After the Fall. It's a VR game. Um, it was shown off probably three, four years ago. It's been in development for quite some time. Um, they actually had like a, a little demo they showed off back in 2019, which is a little bit different from what the final product turned into. But it's uh, it's essentially Left for Dead. Um, it's on Quest, PSVR, PC, and what's really astounding about it is not not just what they were able to do technically with the quest 2 version like visually it's it's very impressive but from launch it is 
playable cross-platform between any of those. And you just jump in the lobby, and it'll have a little icon over the person's head, which platform they're using. And it just works. And it's it's really nice to have a cross-platform game that isn't like, oh, well, Sony's being a jerk, so uh, we're not going to be able to play with PlayStation people. Or, you know, oh, you, you're behind the paywall of Xbox Live or something, so unless you have that, sorry, I can't play with you. It you buy the game and you play with your friends and it's great. Like I just this is something that I've wanted for a while. It's specifically a Left 4 Dead style shooter, and it's nice to have one that is um, really more of a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead than even Back 4 Blood was, because that that one changed up the gameplay a, a pretty fair amount. Like with with the cards and all the other systems that they, that they added in there, this is really like Left 4 Dead with. Some you earn basically money effectively after each run, and then you can upgrade your weapons. But that's really the the biggest change they've made in that particular formula. So I don't know that that actually launched today. Our review went out this morning, and uh, I played a plan to play more of that this weekend. Now that you know more people can have it and play with me. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, what's making me happy is going to sound weird. It, but it's it's Halo Infinite. I'm not playing it because I'm not a gamer, but I I love like I've loved the Halo story and seeing just what the heck Master Chief and Cortana get up to and Halo Infinite is <laughs> like Cortana's dead now, so what the heck happens? And I watched I watched a cutscene movie. I need to go back and find one that has oh, so a little bit more real in life. it. <laughs> yes. Um but it was interesting. It was an it was a I love the story aspect here because it's so different from everything that Halo has done before because Halo usually just has this big cast of characters and it's just getting back to basics. It's like, okay, you have your core crew and then you have the enemy and that's it. And that's amazing because it has more of a like, okay, you're on your own as opposed to previous Halos. It was like, okay, you're kind of on your own, but there's also other people like helping out and it's it it's it's less of a coordinated war and more of like an offensive and this one is more just like uh okay it's like in this in one of the first gameplay sequences it's you have one bullet against an army and that is literally how you start the game and that just sets the tone for everything after that so i'm i'm happy with what they did with it story-wise i wish that we had gotten more story so hopefully we don't have to wait god how many years was it between five and this like Four? When did when did Halo Five come out? Yeah, I think it was four. Yeah, so it's. I'm hoping we don't have to wait that long to get more story because I like what they did with this. Um, I'm very happy with the ending and what it's setting up for the future. So I, I want more. And I'm very sad to people who can't. Um, I'm very sad that you can't replay campaign right now because the story in the campaign here is interesting and there are very many aspects of it that I wish were you could go back and do it again. So that's that's my non-gamer review of Halo Infinite. <laughs> um so I think that's gonna wrap it up for us. Sorry we sorry we went went a little bit long, but uh we've been gone for two weeks and we were chatty today. So uh, you can find me at Arawagco. You can find G- uh, Jerry at GB Hill. You can find uh, Harish at Chunky Nerd. You can find Nick at Guanatu. I'm s- I'm sorry, Nick. I'm going to chastise that name every single time. It kills me. Uh, you can find all of us at Android Central. And uh, feel free to reach out to us. Tell us how you did. Tell us that you missed us and what you want to see. Uh, 
next year because we are getting close to the end of 2021 and I am hoping that we can try more things in 2022. So I hope that y'all have a good day, night, whatever you have after this and that you have stay safe. Omicron is out there and on the rise and please wear your mask. Go get your booster right now if you haven't because appointments are booking up. So if you haven't gotten your appointment by now, you might not be able to get your booster by Christmas, but please get it as soon as possible. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Adios. See ya. Bye.